This is Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the podcast. It's new people, new policies, and pros that's empowering today's women on the move. America is celebrating Women Veterans Day in recognition of June 12th, which is the date our country commemorates the anniversary of the Women's Armed Services Act of 1948. The Women's Armed Services Act was signed into law on June 12, 1948. This is the United States law that enabled women to serve as permanent, regular members of the armed forces in the Army, the Navy, the Marine Corps, and in the Air Force. Prior to this act, women, with the exception of nurses, only served in military during times of war. In World War II, over 150,000 women did serve in the waves of the U.S. Navy, and they also served in the Women's Auxiliary Army Corps. Today's episode is dedicated to the recognition and celebration of America's Women Veterans Appreciation Day. You will meet military women who are among the country's leading advocates for the June 12th National Day recognition for America's women veterans. Now here's your host, Deborah Harmon Peel. Welcome to Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the award-winning podcast, and I'm your host, Deborah Harmon Pugh. Women Veterans Day is observed on June 12th in the United States. The date is not recognized nationally, but it is recognized in many states, either through legislation or proclamation and or many organizations. There's an ongoing effort to have June 12th recognized at a national level. It is Congresswoman Mikey Sherrill of New Jersey who introduced a House resolution in both 2019 and 2020 to have June 12th officially recognized as Women Veterans Appreciation Day. And in 2020, Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey submitted a companion resolution in the U.S. Senate. Now, the purpose of this resolution is to address the disparities in care and recognition of service and of benefits that America women veterans receive. It is this resolution that aims to highlight the growing presence of women in the armed forces and women in the National Guard. This resolution is dedicated to elevating a nationwide recognition for their dutiful military service. Today's episode of Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, we are having a special conversation with leaders of the WAVE campaign of Houston, Texas. They are our special guests on the Women Veterans Public Policy Panel. We have returning to our show, Major Camilla Andrews, and we're delighted to have her back with us. And we have a new guest. Her name is Dr. LaSharonda Jones. And of course, our longtime friend to our campaign and to this show, that's Miss Olivia Christina Bush. Today's conversation is a special part of the Women Veterans Rock annual Summer Leadership Retreat Series, where we continue to empower today's military women on the move. 
Join me as we welcome these dynamic leaders of the WAVE campaign as our special guest to today's Women Veterans Public Policy Panel just after this short break. This episode is sponsored in part by our longtime community partner, Chestnut Hill College. Chestnut Hill College is a certified yellow ribbon institution and a military-friendly college. It has a distinguished history of supporting America's student veterans, military families, and the community at large. We are proud to have this fine academic institution as one of our supporting community partners. Hello, my name is Dr. LaShondra Jones from Houston, Texas, and I'm glad to be a part of the podcast posse here at Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the podcast. Hi, my name is Olivia Christina Bush from the WAVE campaign, and I'm glad to be part of the podcast posse here at Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the podcast. Hi, my name is Major Retired Camilla Andrews, and I'm glad to be a part of the podcast posse here at Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the podcast. We salute Zeta Phi Theta Sorority Incorporated, national enduring partner of Women Veterans Rock. And we thank them for their generous support of the Women Veterans 2030 Commission for Women Veterans and Military Families as we work together in building a pathway for our posterity that is dedicated to the mission of a culturally competent and transformational vision of equality for women veterans by year 2030. Good afternoon, Major Andrews. Welcome back to Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the podcast. Good afternoon, and thank you for having me back. I'm delighted to have you back with us for our anniversary conversation in celebration of the nation's recognition of the National Women Veterans Day held each year. I want to thank you for joining us for this important public policy panel where we are advocating the passing of a national recognition and resolution for the National Women Veterans Day. I'd like to begin by also introducing our two guests who have joined us for this important public policy panel. I want to welcome you, Dr. LaShonda Jones. Also, I want to recognize and welcome Ms. Olivia Christina Bush. It's great to talk to you again. Hello. uh, Thank you for having me today. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Good afternoon. I'm so excited um, to be given the opportunity to talk about this important um, policy and this important initiative for women veterans. Well, I just thank you all for joining us here to be a part of this special public policy panel. Major Andrews, it would be great if you could begin today's discussion sharing information with our listeners about the history of the 1948 Women's Armed Services Integration Act. Well, I will start by saying that that year, 1948, with um, President Truman, the first, one of the first orders he did, he did an executive order that legally permitted women to serve. Then in June 12, 1948, he came back and he decided, um, you know, went ahead and signed the bill that says all women were no longer just um, volunteers, but they were actually legal to serve in the armed forces. Mm-hmm. And that allowed women to serve in all the military forces that were no longer just wax or waves, which is 
Waves is with the Navy, and Watts is Women Auxiliary Army Corps. They were actual now actual service members. Uh, during World War II, actually, they were given full status, but their status was limited to 2% of women that could serve in all, in all, force, all armed forces. However, they were still restricted to non-combat roles. Um, even though we know, some of us may know that even though they said no combat roles, that women were still serving in combat roles um, just unofficially. And then when President Obama took office, then he opened it up. So he opened it up almost 70 years later for women to be allowed to be in every role in the military to include combat roles. And now here we are. Well, Major Andrews, I certainly appreciate your history, giving us background and your expertise on the recognition and building up to a national uh, day of celebration for women veterans. I'd like for people to know a little bit more about who you are and what it is that you do even though this is your second visit with us, and I want our listeners to know that Major Andrews is the Chief Operating Officer at the WAVE Campaign. Uh, Major, would you tell us a little bit about your background and your role as an advocate in the WAVE Campaign? Well, a little bit about me. I served almost 30 years in the United States Army. Mm -hmm. I started an enlisted and then transferred and then got commissioned um, as a first, as a second lieutenant, and then reti- medically retired back in 2015, and started working it, with women veterans in 2015. Um, before I was even, before my <laughs> uh, retirement was finalized, I started working with women veterans. Wave campaign came about in 2018, and I have been with them ever since. Uh, we service a lot of women, um, women who are in the hospital at the VA, make sure they have the item, basic needs that they need in the hospital that people don't think about on a normal basis. So my time is spent with that and with my grandbabies, so that's what I do. Well, thank you so much, Major Andrews. I'm just delighted that you are able to join this conversation and join this circle because as we look at military women in leadership, it is so important to have this kind of expertise on hand as we begin to peel back the layers around the celebration for the National Day of Recognition for Women Veterans. Dr. Jones, welcome once again to Women Veterans Rock and this public policy panel. Please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your advocacy work that you've been doing for women veterans. Absolutely. So I currently reside here in Texas, specifically the city of Houston. Um, And I have, for the last few years, been working specifically with women veterans helping women veterans to basically find their voice and to uh, bring about awareness um, for those who not only are here in the city but in the state and, of course, uh, now nationwide. So my goal is just to bring more awareness, to connect women veterans, to resources, to other women veterans, and just make sure that um, their sacrifice and their service to their country is recognized. So currently um, I, I still do legislative advocacy back and forth to the Capitol um, now have some new bills I've been working on um, for Vanessa Gideon, but um, I work currently uh, as my nine to five 
as a consultant for a domestic violence organization helping women who are currently fleeing domestic violence. Um, but my heart will always be with women veterans, ensuring that there's legislation that is representative of us, our needs, uh, and, again, our sacrifice. Um, that is what I do. Well, Dr. Jones, thank you so much for the work that you are doing in the Houston, Texas, and Texas community by rolling up your sleeves and getting involved and serving and representing and giving voice to military women uh, within your state and your community at large. As you folks can see, we have this amazing group of women that are working in this space in support of and advocating for military women and military families. So I am just excited to welcome our next guest, Miss Olivia Christina Bush, President and CEO of the WAVE Campaign. I would love for you to take a moment to tell our listeners a little bit about you and the work that you do. So first and foremost, I'm an Army brat. Um, I grew up in and around Army bases, and um, my dad served uh, 35 years in the U.S. Army, um, Green Beret. So when um, you grow up in a town that is surrounded by a base such as uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, when the soldiers go to war, we all go to war. You know, everyone reacts and everyone, you know, pulls together and supports the, the military base and, and, of course, you know, veterans. So when, um, you know, fast forward my life, I go to, you know, go to college and, our, and our, two of my sisters who served in the military, one in the U.S. Navy, one in the U.S. Army, became um, homeless and um, needed help within six months of each other, it was a no-brainer for me to, um, you know, put in two weeks' notice and um, give up a banking job to support um, not only my family, but when I was doing research about services for female veterans or women veterans, there just wasn't enough information out there. So that was in um, 2007. And since then, um, um, I've been working um, in the um, the veteran service space, supporting organizations, writing grants, you know, fundraising to support um, anything we could do to help uh, women veterans make a smoother transition from military to civilian life. So it was, um, it was just a lab- it's been a it's been my life's work um, ever since then. So under as the president of the Wave Campaign, um, we are taking a macro-level approach, we, we realize that the only way we're going to be able to bring about change is to bring about legislative change. So we're taking um, an a- the advocacy route as an organization to um, push our legislators who always seem to be able to show up to an American Legion during um, election time mm-hmm. um, to now put, their, put their, um, their office to work and put the pin to the policy and um, put some legislative legislation in place to, to support women veterans. Well, welcome to our show. Thank you for being a friend of Women Veterans Rock on the Hill. So let's get this conversation started. I understand that it has taken some time. We're in the 117th Congress. This was introduced in the 116th Congress, and it does seem that this resolution is going at a snail's pace. But I do think it's important for us to have our listeners understand what's the process. And then perhaps we can be able to put things into perspective about our expectations. So I'm going to ask one of our panel members to talk a bit about what is the process for getting legislation into um, law or getting it close to being where we needed to have it in terms of being passing. 
the process starts with a conversation. Mm-hmm. You have to make a phone call, send an email. If you're um, to your um, representative of your state or your district, um, if you can, show up. Um, be advised. It's like the, there's a strong likelihood you will not talk to the member. Um, it's you're probably going to talk to someone in their office, maybe their legislative representative. That's probably who you should ask for when you show up, unless you can get an appointment with the member um, or your actual elected representative. Um, and then lay out um, the importance of uh, the legislation that you want passed. Sometimes it's a bill, sometimes it's an actual resolution. It's it's actually it's going numbers. If you can get a you know, coalition, as many people you can go with you to show up, that also helps. The more phone calls, the better. The more emails, the better, and persistence. Once you get the legislative aide to talk to their member about the bill, you know, sometimes you might have to help them write it. We, You know, um, Dr. Jones can definitely speak to that. You know, you might actually be, you know, the, the ghost writer of a bill, um, but it is a process of going back and forth on getting the wording right. Um, and then once that's done, so you have a fact sheet for each state. You know, you need to know the number of women veterans um, in your state because every woman veteran is a possible voter and constituent of each legislative um, or someone who's uh, in elective office. That's, that, and you say constituent and you say voter. Um, that gets their attention. The word veteran and military also is very effective when you're making these phone calls to the legislators. With that packet, you know, will be, you know, whether it's templates for, it'll be templates for emails, templates for phone conversation, when you go on a legislative visit, who to bring with you, what to say, um, that type of information. Once we get um, closer to getting someone to actually draft or author the legislation, we will provide um, technical support with that. Um, we'll show up in your state. Once you get a coalition of women veterans um, together, we'll show up and help you when you go before, when you need to testify to prepare you. So um, that kind of information, we'll, we'll also have social media packets. You know, it is, it is um, very important that, and Twitter is very good at that, getting a lot of public support and um, petitions as well. So. You put that fact sheet together, you present it to the member, because that's the legislative rep, because that's they're going to give that to their member, but also have that information on your social media, on your website, to create as much attention as possible. Once the bill gets drafted and, they, and it goes before um, committee, because um, that's what usually happens, goes to committee first and then maybe to the actual floor, then what happens is you prepare to show up, because you can always um, put your name down for public comments. This is, remember, it's a... It's a government by the people for the people. So you can show up and testify and talk about why the bill is important. And that gives you an opportunity to give your voice to the process as well as sway the members and in some cases shame the members so they don't vote against you, vote against the bill if, if you're that impactful in your speech. And then um, it, votes, it gets voted through, hopefully during that session, if you can get all the, all the people on the committee to show up and they have a quorum. And then after that, it gets it usually sometimes it it can just stay in because there's two sides: it's the Senate and and then the House, um, especially mm-hmm. in the state, you know, state and federal. If it if it can sit in committee and get voted committee, it can go right and get signed into law by the governor or you know the president. So it varies depending on your state what the process is. But 
Um, of course, on the federal level, you have the Senate and the House. So wherever it starts, it has to pass that that um, that side of Congress, and then you have to go to the other side, and then eventually gets to the president's desk. Well, this is fantastic because um, what you've given us is a is an important template for us to understand and for our listeners to understand what are the steps and the process that it takes for a bill to get passed into law. And as you said, it starts with an important conversation. And you mentioned that that conversation can um, take place with a staffer or a senior staffer to one of our legislators. And we should have our listeners know and recognize that having a conversation with a staffer is an important um, achievement in the process because our legislators are busy either in in meetings, in committee, or on the floor for a vote. So that is a fantastic overview. And um, I think that it's also important for us to see if we can check in with Dr. Jones for us to give us a little bit more on the public support. Dr. Jones, tell us a little bit about why is it important for us to get public support for public policy. Absolutely. It's important to get public support, whether the person is a veteran or if it's just a supporter of uh, the legislation. It's important that you go to, um, because you can also have co-sponsors, which is always a plus whenever you have legislation. You want to have as many co-sponsors on that legislation, uh, on that bill as possible. That way, you will garner more support because if my legislator co-sponsors a bill, then I'm more prone to support that legislation. So it always helps to have more co-sponsors, but getting the word out and getting more people to, again, uh, because you always hear that old, you know, that old saying, well, just write your congressman. So mm-hmm. if it's on a local state level, then write your, write your state representative, write your, um, your senator, because this is what Olivia said. We see them come out to the parades. They come out to the, you know, to, to the Legion Halls when it's time to get elected. But then you have to start putting their feet to the fire and letting them know uh, the legislation that's near and dear to you that's very important to you or is important to your daughter or your sister or your, or your neighbor. So you want to get uh, uh, involved, right? Oftentimes we go to the Capitol and we see the teachers that show up. We see the, the gun rights people that show up. So we, we, we want to make sure that we have veterans show up for legislation that's important to veterans, mm-hmm. whether you're a veteran, whether you're not a veteran. So it's very important to get involved in, in, in the day and age of social media. Um, there's a lot of people who maybe can't leave their home or they're in rural town USA and they can't leave or they don't have access to get to the Capitol. So with social media, they can tweet, mm-hmm. they can Facebook, they can do whatever they can to just spread the word so that it, it, it starts to catch fire. Well, Major, I'd like for you to help us connect the dots. We have heard uh, very important uh, overviews about the process of what it takes to get a bill passed into law. We've heard about the importance of advocacy. And as a retired officer from America's military armed forces, what would it mean to you personally to see the United States of America set aside one day of national recognition for every state in the union. What would this mean for you on a personal level? It would be a, like, hey, they're here. Here she is. She serves. And, you know, on a personal level, there are, in my family alone, there is five women, five women who have served 
and have went from enlisted all the way up to lieutenant colonel. You know, we have served in, you know, come in, in, in Iraq and Afghanistan and Bosnia and other places in this world, um, Korea and, and Germany and everywhere. And, you know, my family, like I said, um, you know, to be able to recognize them and said, hey, look, you know, these women are, you know, they, they have done what a lot of Americans haven't done. They are an elite group. They have served. And so personally, I'm, I'm proud, and I would be even prouder if this bill is passed and we're recognized. We're recognized for all of the contributions that we've made, and we won't be just a footnote. Dr. Jones, as a Marine serving in America's armed forces, what does it mean to you personally to be able to get this day of recognition for women veterans acknowledged across every state in our union? I hear people say all the time, oh, so you're a Marine? And I have to tell them, yeah, they, they, they take women, believe it or not. They've been taking us for 50-plus for years now. <laughs> so on a personal level, level, it means that I'm able to um, smile a little bit bigger, hold mm-hmm. my chest out a little bit further, and mm-hmm. say, yes, I'm a Marine. And those, those weeks of grueling activities in, um, in boot camp in Paris Island specifically, um, they weren't easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I'm proud that I did what I did and that I got to the other side. Um, and, and we always hear the same, once a Marine, always a Marine. And so when I wear my hat and my T-shirt, people look at me, and sometimes, you know, and I think because of my looks, they probably don't, you know, don't want to ask me, but they're like, she looks, a little, she looks a little, you know, stern and firm and like she's pretty serious. So, yeah, she's probably a Marine. <laughs> but, again, I still get the questions, oh, did you serve or, 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 or who, so is that your shirt? Then I have that conversation with them. Our motto is one of the few, one of the proud. We're, as a female Marine, it's one of the fewer. Um, but I, I am so happy that that's the branch that I, that I chose, and I, I wouldn't change it. Well, Dr. Jones, thank you so much. And Major Andrews, thank you as well for you sharing your contributions as a member of our military armed forces but also having people understand why do you do this so passionately and consistently as an advocate around the work that you do in public policy. One thing I want to just say, if I can, um, uh, Dr. Jones and Major Andrews are very modest. Um, as the uh, civilian, non-veteran in the group, what I'm going to say is the reason why there needs to be a National Women Veterans Day, because it's long overdue. Um, Good. Women who haven't served, we are definitely in the debt, or in their, I'm in their debt personally, um, for those women who took um, that brave step to volunteer to serve our country. Um, they're never drafted, I always say, you know, never drafted. They all volunteered to serve, and they did so bravely and with much sacrifice. You just think these, these are women who are not only, they're, some of them are mothers, they're wives, a family obligation, and they left, they left their family behind to serve our country. So if we can have a National Donut Day or a National Day to recognize margaritas, mm-hmm. why 
is it that there is not a national day on the calendar to recognize um, women veterans for their service and sacrifice to our country since our, since our country was founded? So um, that's why I feel like it's important. It's important not just as I have a daughter myself, and um, it's, a, it's a source of pride, you know, to know that, you know, women in her family and women throughout our country have volunteered to serve and it's a good recruiting tool for the military as well. Well, I want to thank each one of you ladies about the work that you're doing around the advocacy and um, the state-by-state initiative. That's one of the things that we admire greatly about the work that you all are doing at the WAVE campaign. And I applaud your um, commitment to getting policy set up in a way getting constituents educated and aware about the ways in which we can improve the lives of those women who are serving, those women who are veterans that have served, and also the families that have supported them. Uh, Before we move on, Ms. Bush, could you please share with our listeners another important thing that the WAVE campaign is doing in terms of the work that you are looking at in growing your organization to be a community trust in support of veteran service organizations that are doing amazing things all around the country? Well, a community trust is, um, if you think about the United Way, the United Way is a community trust. It's an organization that fundraises to provide grant and funding and educational support for other um, 501c3s or, or organizations. So what the WAVE campaign is, is going is doing right now is we're concurrently fundraising. Um, we are building our um, our we're building our bank so that um, what we'll do is we're going to provide g- grants, micro grants for service organizations um, that support the women veteran population exclusively. So what we found um, working in this space is there are a lot of really really good nonprofits across the country that support women veterans and the funding opportunities aren't there because they're competing a lot of these well-established um you know the big boys that we all know and hear and see commercials for in the middle of the night um and then the um women veteran organizations aren't getting the funding and so it's very difficult what we find is the the executive directors or the presidents of these organizations are using in many cases, their disability check or their retirement check to keep the organization going when um, the dollars are, are, are abundant. You know, there's, I, I believe in abundance. There's no lack of dollars out here. You just have to get the public. And, again, I represent the civilian population, and I know when I go out and fundraise and I talk to donors about women veterans, there's kind of like a blank stare because you have to first overcome the fact that they never thought of women when they think of about the military. They always have the, the, um, the visual in their head of the man, you know, standing up strong in the military. Or sometimes they have, they remember the commercial with the man who's lost his leg, and they don't think of women when they think military. So you have to get over that. And so once you can get over that hump, they give. And so you just have to make sure your paperwork is straight, your 501C is straight, you have an accountant, you're making sure that even if you don't, can't afford an accountant, make sure you have at least the software because once people start giving you money, you have to do reporting. 
So all of that technical assistance that goes behind keeping an organization and setting yourself up for getting larger and larger grants, that's what the WAVE campaign is here to do. And we're also, like I said, we're building a trust so that we can provide micro-grants to all these organizations and um, making sure that they can stay uh, in compliance and give them the right footing so they can apply for that large money. Mm-hmm. Well, at the WAVE campaign, you guys are certainly building your bank. You guys are actively working on breaking down stereotypes because even when we look at our public policy panel here this evening, we are a collection of women who served in uniform, women who served in military families, women who served as military spouses. So when we talk about building your bank, we talk about also changing the national narrative around not only who is a woman veteran, but also who is a military woman, because in our collective community, we look at all of those who serve and those who support those who serve. And so that's the reason why I continue to salute you and applaud you at the work that you're doing. So thank you so much for sharing this information about the WAVE campaign, the work that you are doing in in advocacy for public policy, your ongoing commitment and support of the National Women Veterans Day of Recognition on June 12th, the work that you're doing in terms of building a community trust so that you can support other local veteran service organizations. And as I said, you're building your bank also by expanding your network, and that's the reason why we appreciate our work together as two organizations that are deeply committed to women in the military community as well as military families. So, ladies, tell us, how can our listeners help? I think the best way is to use, use your social, use your social media. Um, listen and download to podcasts like this one. Um, seek out other women veterans-focused podcasts. And then um, hashtag women veterans, you know, on your social, whenever you do a post. The best thing a woman can do is if she has a picture of herself in uniform, and it doesn't just have to be Veterans Day, because I bet there are people in her own network that never knew she served. You know, you don't know that that lady sitting next to you in church was like, like you know what I mean, somebody who was super strong and I don't know if I can say the word badass, but some like, you know, badass in the military that was like, you know, telling a bunch of men what to do. You know, it's like you don't know who she is because she doesn't recognize or command, you know, she doesn't tell people who she is. So I think that's one of the first steps is to raise the public consciousness of women serving in the military, and so just come out of the shadows and start posting your pictures. We are certainly delighted to support the work that you're doing at the WAVE campaign, and we will continue to post links on our website to what's going on as it relates to this pending resolution about June 12th being a National Day of Recognition for Women Veterans, and we are posting it on our website at womenvetsrock.org. Please let us know how our listeners can connect with you, Ms. Bush, at the WAVE campaign. Well, the best way to connect with me is go to our website at um, www.thewavecampaign.org. The petition to support the Women Veterans Day initiative is on the website. You can go um, first. The first thing you're going to do is get a pop-up so we can get your contact information, name, and email. That will keep you in our, um, our database for newsletters. And when we do social media posts, you'll be contacted. So that's the best way to stay connected with us. And then as soon as you click through that, 
you know, just go and sign the petition. You know, be uh, a voice among many to make sure that when we go and talk to our national legislators that um, that they know that this is a nationwide initiative and everyone, all the voters in the nation want the um, want this national resolution to go through. Well, today's conversation with our Women Veterans Public Policy Panel has not only been informative, but it's been really exciting to hear about the work that you are doing and the ways in which we are working as a community of military women to connect the dots. I want to thank each of you for joining us here at Women Veterans Rock on the Hill. I want to thank Major Andrews for joining us and coming back once again. Major, you're going to have to promise to come back. Now that we've started this tradition of our anniversary conversation around Women Veterans Day, hopefully you'll come back again next year and we can talk about the status of the work that you're doing in and around this day. Major, what do you think? Uh, I agree 100%, and I'll be back, and hopefully next year when I come back, we would say the bill was passed, and today's the national day uh, for recognition for women veterans. That's my hope. Well, thank you so much, Major Andrews, and we always um, have our door open for you, and once again, we look forward to you joining us again for our continued conversation. And I want to thank Dr. Jones for her passionate advocacy and the work that she's done and continues to do. Uh, Dr. Jones, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for your passion around public policy for women veterans and military families. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I certainly hope that you will agree to come back and join us as well. Absolutely. As we continue to get these Vanessa Gillian bills passed, I hopefully will be back to tell you more about uh, what we're doing on, on, on that side um, to ensure that there's more awareness of some of the things that are happening in the military. Well, I look forward to it, and I'm going to hold you to it. And Miss Olivia Christina Bush I want to salute you for the work and the leadership that you are providing at the WAVE campaign. And I just want to check in with you to see if you have any final words that you'd like to share with our listeners. I didn't know if you were going to invite me back. Can I come back? Oh, absolutely. You are <laughs> officially in our column. Friends <laughs> Rock. As a matter of fact, Ms. Bush, I have you on speed dial. Okay. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, final words, I just, again, um, thank you, Dr. Hearn Pugh. I appreciate you giving us this platform. Um, you know, you're doing God's work for sure. So I just want to just thank you for, you know, being an awesome host and the opportunity to be on your show. Well, thank you, ladies, for joining us here today at the Women Veterans Public Policy Panel. We certainly appreciate you joining us here at Women Veterans Rock on the Hill the podcast. We thank you for listening. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Comcast NBC Universal for their support of women veterans, military families, and America's entire military community. For more information on how Comcast NBC Universal is supporting America's military community or their important work as a military-friendly corporation, visit their website in the description of this episode below. This episode of Women Veterans Rock on the Hill is sponsored by the Women Veterans Rock Civic Leadership Institute, where our priority is preparing today's military women 
for post-military civic leadership, business leadership, and nonprofit leadership in America. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You'll be notified of upcoming episodes so you can join us in the public square for more stimulating conversations. And there's one last thing before we go. An American author named Melanie Beattie says, Gratitude helps us to make sense of our past. It helps us to bring peace for today, and it helps us to create a vision for tomorrow. During this year's Women Veterans Rock Summer Leadership Retreat Series, our call to action is join our nationwide campaign as we celebrate America's women veterans. We are deeply grateful to the valiant military women in service to our country, and we celebrate a nation who recognizes their valor. Remember, June 12th, it's Women Veterans Appreciation Day. Now, Posse, take us home.